what since the second half really how much they've really struggled charged with finding some stability from this scrum and he can't find it that's a mighty shot a mighty Mark Lester the scrum battle resumes now and a big shot from Brazil oh that's sensational Welcome back to the next episode of the journey of a grassroots rugby coach. And this week, my guest is Alana Thomas. Alana is the current head coach of the Melbourne Rebels Super W team. Alana started playing rugby back in 2001 in Orange in country New South Wales. From there, she went on to represent Central West Rugby, New South Wales Rugby, and also the Wallaroos from 2006 to 2010. And she also represented Victoria State Sevens from 2012 to 2014. After retiring from playing, the next uh, step for Alana was to take up coaching so she could get back to the game. She started on her coaching journey, helping out her club, where she worked through her coaching accreditations, and then she went on to coach the Victorian State Sevens and Fifteens teams. In 2017, Alana was awarded the Rugby Australia Community Coach of the Year. And then she was also appointed the head coach of the Melbourne Rebels Super W side, the position that she's held to this day. Alana is very passionate about women's sport and, and in particular women's rugby and hopes to help players grow and remove the barriers that she faced and provide all the players with opportunities. Alana's day job, she works with the Victorian Institute of Sport, where she works with some of Australia's best, best athletes, coaches and support staff. In this episode, we spoke about being able to grow from your losses, even though it hurts. What is your why? Being authentic and having fun. And you own your own development as a coach. And also, back yourself and be creative. This interview was recorded last year. And since then, I've had the privilege of working with Alana with the Super W team. Um, I've been brought into the, into the coaching ranks there. So I've actually had some first-hand experience working with Alana. Uh, we've had some awesome conversations at training uh, and we had an awesome chat through here. So I hope you get something out of it. As always, uh, subscribe to the channel so you get the updates when they come through. Give us a like, give us a review, send me requests if you've got anyone you think I should talk to. Um, but most of all, enjoy this episode and I hope you get as much out of it as what I did. For young coaches out there, if they're looking at getting that development as a coach, um, what are some of the tips you can give them around development? Yeah, I think the, the good thing, again, I go back to opportunities and take make what you make of them. COVID was fantastic for coach development across multiple sports, not just rugby, but definitely for rugby. Um, like having webinars, having access to coaches, and they're all on... I think YouTube and stuff now that you can go back and watch. So I think it's, um, for, the, for me, coach development is as a coach, you drive it. You're responsible for it um, and going and, and seeking out that development, whether it is like if it was a junior coach who's coaching under 15s or 16s in their club, going and having a chat to the, 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 the grade coaches in the, in the club and saying, hey, I'm, you know, learning my craft that's that's coach development going and saying hey can I come to a session and see what you're doing it could be someone saying to you 
Bully, I want to come and see what you do at a scrum session because um, I'm coaching these these young boys or girls and we're just learning, you know, some of them don't know. So I just want to teach them the, the basics right and go and watch and learn from you and have questions, ask questions. Um, and, you know, everything is so accessible and people are now putting more content and sharing more things like, for me, like the rugby site, like, it's a subscription site but it's fantastic because you can go on there and it breaks it down and gives you all of that you know you've got um people on social media who are doing you know really short sharp coaching stuff where you can go in youtube's got that you can go into to rabbit holes i guess and make sure you know that you you're going to people who 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 know their stuff but there's so much out there that you drive it and then I think the biggest thing is going and asking coaches, can I come and watch a session? Can I come and learn? Like I, every year with SuperW, send an email out to coaches at Clubland and say, I'm happy to come to a session. You're more than welcome to come to a SuperW session and see what we're doing. And we can have a coffee or a sit down after and go through it um, to sort of share that knowledge. And if they've got any questions of, of that. So I think you own your coach development, you drive it. And sometimes you're going to have to go out and get out of your comfort zone and go and talk to people. Listening to podcasts is another one for me. Um, listening to podcasts and taking things out of it. Um, but the, the biggest one for me is going watching sessions, going seeing a session. Like I've, I've, you know, again, asked the question, could I go down and watch a Rebel session and got the opportunity to go and sit through when I wasn't coaching the Rebels, I was just a state coach being able just to go in, see what their session plan was, what they were doing, and then having a chat afterwards with the coaches and, and saying, well, I didn't quite understand this or what was the purpose of this to help me develop my knowledge. And I would know I can't take that back to my players because my players aren't professional players, but there was some concepts in there or some little things that I was like, yeah, my players can do that. I'm going to bring that and then I can build off that and layer it in. Um, so I think, yeah, development is, is really a big part of what I've done the last three years. I've, any opportunity I can get to have a chat, any opportunity I can get on a webinar and listen to a coach or someone talk, um, yeah, take it um, because that's, that's where you're going to learn so much in those environments. So, you know, I think there is a place for your, your basics and foundations and stuff like that in the education space to give people an introduction of, it's not just turn up and throw cones out. Um, there is that space of that foundation course, learning and, and developing there, but you're going to learn more out doing and talking and seeing what people are doing. Because, um, yeah, I'm an accountant by trade and I look at it and go, what I learned at uni about accounting and what happens in real life, they're a little bit different. Yeah. All right, Alana, so we'll, we'll make a start. Um, and again, thank you for your time. Um, just for the listeners that might not know who you are, can you just give me 30 seconds or just a brief overview of who you are, what you're doing in the grassroots space and some of the other stuff that you're doing as well with the, the elite women's rugby? Yeah, so yes, yeah, so I, I, I come from a playing background, so I played rugby um, and then I actually finished playing rugby because I had a really bad state of concussions um, and decided it was time to 
you know, have a few discussions with medical people and 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 hang up the boots. And the the transition for me was I didn't want to leave, leave rugby. I wanted to stay involved in rugby. So I got into coaching. Um, at you know, from a player straight into coaching, helping out with my my local club side, um, staying connected and involved. So that was sort of my introduction to coaching. And then I sort of really am an all or nothing type of person. So I decided that I wanted to go as far as I could with it and push myself to be better and, and learn as much as I could. So got stuck into doing coach or coach education, coach development and, and just learning more about coaching rugby and then working with my local club sides, getting to coach sevens, 15 states teams, and then into Super W where I am now, um, the Rebels. But, you know, had so much learning and development through grassroots and, and just working with so many different athletes and probably, you know, working with boys and girls. So not just exclusively women, I coached the junior gold cup side um, and absolutely love that. And now I've seen a, a handful of those boys now selected and get a contract with the rebel. So it's you know, a pretty, pretty exciting time when you see those kids come through. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good program that um, gold cup program that they run. Yeah. Um, so I think we've covered that first bit off as, as why you got into coaching. Um, like most of us, it's that transition from playing um, and just staying involved in the game. <clears throat> um, what's been some of the heartaches or disappointments that you have as a coach? That, and we've all had them. Um, and most people think that they're alone when something goes wrong. But, you know, we've all, we've all had something go wrong at some point in our coaching journey. Yeah, I think, yeah. When I saw that question, I was like, oh, have I had my biggest heartbreak or disappointment in rugby? Um, like, obviously, losses hurt and, you know, in big games they hurt, but I think there's always something positive to take out of it and, and learn and grow. Um, so I, I probably wouldn't say I've had, had, had any big ones. I've obviously had some losses and had some big losses, but um, staying balanced in how you, you res, res, respond to them um, is something that I've sort of definitely learned across my journey and, there's always something to, to take out of out of every game. Um, you know, I, I've been using a lot at the moment during this period around opportunities present themselves to everyone. It's what you do with them and, and make of them. Um, and that's how I sort of look at sort of losses or disappointments as a coach. It's a learning opportunity for me to grow and also for the players to grow and develop um, together. So, yeah, I don't think I've really had any, I wouldn't say I've had major heartbreak or disappointment, um, but, yeah, just learning from anything that we've had a loss is probably the key thing that I've taken out of those. Yeah, and it's an interesting point because you talk to coaches that have been on that journey for quite a few years and they go, yeah, we lost this game, it was bad, but I learned this. But as a junior coach, you lose that game and your world collapses around. Like, you just go, what? No, you know, like, so it's, it's really interesting when we, when we change that mindset around, yeah, we lost, but what, it's, what do we learn from it? You know, and, and I often say to my boys, we either win or we learn. Um, yeah. but, as, but as a young coach, that's really hard to, to swallow and just go, oh, shit, am I good enough for this job? Am I, you know? Um, but, yeah, every, every coach that I've had is sort of gone, yeah, this has happened, but this has come out the other side of it, which is yeah. um, once you sort of get that mindset as a coach, I think, I think a yeah, lot of... It does. I think you, as a young coach, like... You know, you do take a loss and go, what did I do wrong? What have I done? And you, you sort of blame yourself and and try and fix it. But sometimes it's not about fixing it. It's just about either persevering with what you're doing or understanding the reasons behind it. But, yeah, yeah, 
going and playing games and, and in club land at grassroots and you've put all this effort in and it just doesn't go to plan and you sit there scratching your head at the end of the night going, what did I do wrong? What did we, you know, what happened? So, yeah, sometimes you just got to do the old 24-hour rule, just yeah. dwell on it for 24 hours, move on. Yeah, and I think as coaches, we stew over it way longer than the players do. Definitely. Especially, at, you know, m- most of the guys at senior rugby, you know, an hour later, you're still stewing on the on the result and they're six beers in at the bar. They, they're, they've moved on to next week, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and you briefly touched on it in your intro, but what are some of the, the greatest moments or the, the really good moments that you get as a coach um, that, that keep yeah. us, the ones that keep us going? Yeah, I think it's um, like the good moments of coaching is just, I suppose, every time you step out to play a game or, or be coach a game. Um, and particularly at grassroots with, um, particularly in club rugby, where you see particularly in women's, the women's rugby, because I've, you've got everything from, a player that's never played the game, doesn't even know the rules of rugby, to international players and everything in between. So every time they sort of go out and play, you you watch your players and seeing them do something that they've been working on and you can nearly see it on the field and see that light bulb moment. I've just made that tackle the way I've been practising it for weeks. Um, And it's just that big smile and enjoyment. And that, for me, is what keeps me going as a coach because... I want to give back to those players and those players coming through to have an opportunity to try and play the game, whether it's just to play a season of rugby, go and make a rep side, represent their country, giving them the opportunity to do that. So that's that's probably one of the big, big things about coaching is seeing them go out and develop and grow and as not only as players, but as people away from the field. And then, you know, the things that you know, stuck out in the lot recently is with the um, under 18 boys and the Super W we crossed over at training one day and they said a couple of the boys from the under 15s team I coached um, came, walked into the gym and said hello and, you know, asked how I was going and I haven't seen them for a good 12, 18 months and they were still so respectful and, and just those things that seeing those players and having those chats to them, getting messages from them randomly um, through social media saying, oh, can you have a look at this? They're the things that I think keep you going as a coach, that you're actually giving back to someone and helping someone else succeed um, on their journey. And it might only be one or two things or it might only be one year, but being able to see them then go on and achieve things, yeah, that's why you coach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. And like you said, it's, it might not be them achieving, you know, national level, but they achieve like the, the, the good tackle tech or a good strong ball carry or they learn to pass left, right, instead of right, left. And just those little tick, tick, tick. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, and like you said, those those moments where you, you see you've got a, a, a player where, and you might have coached them in a rep program for six weeks and three years later they bump into you or their parents bump into you and go, oh, oh you're Alana. Yeah, so-and-so talks about you all the time. You know, just those little... And that's not what we, that's not why we, that's not what we do it for, but it's just that little bit of a, oh yeah, I am actually all right at this. Yeah. And, and making those connections. Um, and I, I think the other thing is like, I, I keep all like at the end of the season, that whether it be from club through to rep, like the cards that you get from the players at the end of it and just the, the messages on that. And sometimes when you're sort of struggling to get out in the Melbourne winter and it's, blowing a gale, rain's coming in sideways, you know, 
and you, you're just having a tough time of it to be able to go back and reflect on that and read some of those messages it actually helps you as a coach and I think that's that's the thing that you know you love I don't know I, I've got a partner who's a teacher and year 12 when they leave it's the same thing when you're having a tough time picking those things out and going this is why I do it this is this is my purpose of, of why I coach yeah yeah and it's I think it's that when you get asked what your why is because we ask our players all the time why do you do this but we never really ask ourselves and I and I remember a few years ago I was in New Zealand um, on a course over there and Murray Mexted was there and he basically said to us why do you coach and what's your philosophy and I just went shit I don't know I just it was just something that happened and then you sit back and you think about it and you you start actually thinking, yeah, it's the, the little things, the, the the nod or the shake of the hand or the, the appreciation that you get for it that that, um, that drives you to keep going. And that's really good. Yeah. And I like that bit about you get those cards and that <clears throat> we've recently downsized and moved into a, a really small place and I've got all this stuff. I'm probably similar. You just got, my wife calls it rugby shit, you know. <laughs> do you need to keep this? Uh, yeah. What do you need that for? Oh, some kid gave it to me, you know, 15 years ago, but I just, it's just there. I, you know, I might not look at it every day, but it's there. And I was just like, yeah, there's some really stand up arguments about stuff that we were going to keep and not keep. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, <I've>, I compromised. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, I've definitely got like filing cabinets and that many bits. Like I keep all my, like I print off all my training programs and keep them and I've got, you know it's like why do you keep them there electronic I said yeah but I write notes on them during sessions and and you know it might be I was sitting there thinking during a, a planning session going, what do I want to do I, go, I did this drill like 18 months ago where was it and pick yeah. it out and go what did I learn from it like and okay what did I say I was going to change radio now I can put it into this session plan yeah and um I was talking to Matt Tink many many years ago and he said he had session plans on beer coasters and because he'd be at the pub and he'd think of something and he writes up and he's just got yeah stuff, post-it notes and you know, just scribble down and yep, yeah, it's here somewhere. I'll go and get I've, I've got them all stored, but yeah, they're in that file or that file. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm the same. I'm a I'm a note taker. Um, I've got books and books and books. Yeah, um, I've got I was just literally I've got a book here and it's all got all the yeah. from all the different webinars or things I've gone on and I'm, I just want to type that and I go back and read it if I had been that good at school I would have got an awesome oh, mate I reckon I'd have had a doctorate if I'd have been as attentive at school as what I am in some of these webinars like I'm the same especially with COVID there was all these webinars with people that you never thought you were going to get in contact with yep. and just little bits of gold and you write them down and then you type them out and then you yeah, I'm the same. I've got books full of stuff. And I might not I might not use it for 10 years, but it'll just sit there and it's ticking away and I, and I know where it is. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an obsession, unfortunately. Um, it is. <laughs> what, what about some of the lessons that, that you learn along the way that you could pass on to new coaches um, that can help them you know, continue in the game or develop or take up coaching or, you know, because all my, my theory is, and it's just a theory, is that there's been no new problems for 20 years. We've all had the same problem. They're all, you know, they might manifest in different ways, but every grassroots coach has probably had the same list of this has gone wrong, this has gone wrong, I stuff this up. But, but when it happens to you, you think 
you're the first person that it's happened to. So what are some of the lessons that, that you've learned over the time that can help ease that or, you know, encourage people just keep going? Yeah, I think the thing is to remember the what we said before, the why, like have fun. Like we all love rugby um, and sport. Like if you love sport and it doesn't matter what sport, whether it's rugby, whether it's netball, whether it's soccer, you know, we all love it. We all love it because we have fun and we enjoy it. We either enjoy playing it, watching it. So don't forget that when you're coaching, because I think sometimes I'm a really intense person. So I sometimes forget to have fun. And that's why I always have to make sure I've got coaches around me that can bring that and remind me to have some fun. So I think it's always having fun. Um, and always, you know, I suppose be yourself, um, be authentic to who you are. Um, cause I think that's probably one of the most important things that you, your personality is your personality. Every person is unique. So be you don't try and be, um, someone else because they've been a good coach. Like I see it a number of times where, um, people will go, Oh, you, know, you see coaches say, Oh, we're going to do this because the all blacks do it. Do it because of who you are and what your players are. Um, I think that's, you know, don't do it because that's what they do. Do it because it's what you want to do. Um, and ask ask for advice. Um, that was probably my biggest learning as a young coach is having the confidence to, to ask people for advice or go and have a conversation with a coach. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things that if I have, if I was to say any, not regrets, but, big lesson was go and talk to, to coaches. And I'm really blessed where I work now at the Victorian Institute of Sport. Like I've got world-class athletes, oh. coaches, medical staff, performance staff, and some of the best development I've got as a coach is talking in the stairwell with Simone McInnes, the Melbourne Vixens netball coach. Because basically your technical and tactical element of your games are unique to each sport but how you coach and teach and get players to understand is similar. You have to have that knack of tapping into it. So go and have those conversations and ask to talk to people um, because they're some of the best conversations and even, and, you know, going and having a coffee or, you know, in this time of COVID um, saying to someone, would you mind jumping on a zoom with me for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes just to have a chat about rugby and what's the worst you're going to get? I know. So you might yeah. be surprised. And and how often does it happen that someone says no? Yeah. That, and that's what I found. Like during COVID, it was just like I've reached out to all these people and not one of them has said no. Yeah. It might be, oh, I can't do it that day. I can do it another. But no one has actually gone no or, yeah. you know, whatever. And like you said, it's sometimes it's other sports that we get get that knowledge from about how to coach. Yeah. yeah. That's that's probably the big thing. I think is just you know having fun, asking for advice, and being yourself, and and challenging yourself to get out of your comfort zone, um, and and try new things. Because yeah. I always have that mantra of, you know, I always say to my players, get out of your comfort zone, try, push yourself harder. And as a coach, I think you have to do that as well, and and have those conversations. And that's one thing that don't ask a player to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. So if I'm saying get out of your comfort zone, then I need to get out of my comfort zone as well and, and model that um, because, the, you know, you're going to learn. You're not going to get it right and you'll you'll learn from it. Like you fail, you, you might fail, <laughs> but you'll learn something out of it. And those conversations, it could just be you pick up one little gem like we are talking about at the start. It might be you might pick one or two things up out of a conversation 
But those things, then you'll have them in your toolkit for the rest of your coaching career and you can refer back to them. Um, so, yeah, I think having those conversations as casual as they could be and as, you know, infrequent or you could just see someone at a rugby match having a conversation, that's where some of the best discussions and learning happen. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Just having a chat to someone or, you know, coffee or over, over a beer or, you know, whatever. Just um, And I think a lot of coaches... They get, and I was very much like you, yeah, I was really that hesitant to go and ask another coach because I thought, oh, geez, I don't want to talk to Alana because um, I know she's not going to tell me what she's going to do on the weekend, which is not actually what I want. It's, it's more of the, I've got this kid that can't do this or what, what do you, what, how did you fix that? Or, you know, I've noticed you've been able to get so-and-so to do this. How did, how did you get, but you're not giving away IP, yeah, and I think that's where, as young coaches, I know I was I was terrible. I wouldn't I wouldn't ask another coach. I thought, oh, they're not going to tell me. They're just going to tell me to go away because they're going to think I'm stealing their stuff, which I I wasn't. But that's that that's that mindset that you're in. And yeah. then as soon as you do actually ask coaches, and they they start giving you those little bits of gold, you just go, you know what? It's not that bad. Um, yeah, I think that's something that. It, 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 we need to improve in Australia sharing that information. Um, you know, I think we all sort of think, oh, no, that's that's mine. You're going to use it against me because there is, you know, what do I have? There's only, you know, fully paying jobs as a coach. There's like less than, uh, there's like 70 or something across schools, professional roads. There's not many. But I remember a story back from when the old Australian Institute of Sport where Eddie Jones, I think he must have been at the Brumbies or somewhere, and he just walked in during a level high performance coaching course and just threw his playbook. This is what we did at the Brumbies, whatever year it was. And everyone's like, why would you do that? And he was like, because I've got to get better now because you now know that I've got to get better as a coach yeah. so that I can stay on top of it. And he's someone, love him or hate him because he's polarizing. You either love him or hate him. But look at how he's evolved and grown and changed as a coach from coaching Brumbies, Wallabies, South Africa, Japan, England, like, He's had to evolve across generations of rugby, yeah, and still be at the top. But again, you know, he's not not loved by everyone. But you know, you've got to admire him for being able to go through that that journey and change as a coach. Yeah, and it's it's really good. I, I like Eddie now, but when he was yeah. with Australian rugby, probably not so much. Like, but but the credit to the guy, like you said, he's he's changed as he's as he's gone along. Um, and I listened to a podcast that they did with him, and one of the guys goes, "Oh, what's what's that on your wall behind you?" And it, it's a big, it's a poster, and it's got "Adapt or Die," and that's in his office. And he says, "Because I look at it every day, is it because I've got to change?" Um, and it's it's good that you brought that up because I spoke to a coach in New Zealand who was with one of the Super Rugby teams quite a few years ago, and a similar thing with um, Graham Henry when he won the Super Rugby title, they have to address, you know, give a, an address to the Super Rugby coaches. And he basically went, this is what we did this year. And they all went, why did you do that? He goes, because now I've got to change what I do next year because I've just told you what we did this year. Yep. And I thought, oh, it's a, it's a gutsy move. Yep. But he's got confidence in, him, in himself to do it. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing. As coaches, like, we know the technical and tactical elements of the game are, pretty standard mm. um everyone does it differently 
it's then how you you coach it, how you bring it to life and how you make it happen with the players. And, and again, every player is different. Every player is unique. And you look at generational change, like the generation now, these younger players are used to short, sharp, information burst um so you've got to adapt to how you deliver it is it visual is it yeah how you do it um to get the best and that's the good thing about coaching is that you've got to be able to understand your players to deliver it and you know and then you look at you know i go back and look when i was coaching the young boys is their different personalities their different learning ways how they the different knowledge that they have of the game and that's the great thing about coaching is it challenges you every session yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so let's have a talk about that. How do you, what do you do in your sessions? So if you're coaching at a grassroots, you know, a junior club somewhere, boys or girls, it doesn't really matter. Or even, even with some of the, the women's competition in Melbourne, like you said, you've got that player who's never played before. Turns up because they just big mates play, you know, whatever. And then you, the person next to them, is an international or you know that next level what do you do in your training sessions to develop this player that's at this level and develop keep this player interested and try and develop them as well because that's a challenge for for young coaches it definitely definitely is and i think that's where that's probably when i first started when i was back end of my career finishing as an experienced player, you become that on-field coach. So I think it's always good for those experienced players to have to help those new players come along because it also helps them to see if they understand what we're doing. So they have to go back and think about what we're doing and they have to think back about the why because they have to explain that to someone who's got no idea about how to play. So I think that's always a good thing to give them that task, that leadership role. Um, but also giving them that stretch as well on the field with how we're going to play and how their skills are and, and focusing them on their own game. The key thing that I always used to do is try and get those newer players and try and get them in the warm up or before we start training and just say, work on little things, little basic stuff. If you know, in Clubland, we don't have a massive coaches. So it could just be the player turns up and goes like, and you just go and have a chat to them and say, this is what we're going to do tonight, give them the heads up, give them some some key tips, get them out doing some stuff beforehand, whether it just be passing, tackling, breakdown, whatever our focus is for the night, is giving them that little bit of help, then linking them up with some girls that know, or players, sorry, that know what they're doing, so that, again, they're having to teach them and remember in their head why we do this, what's the purpose of it. So, again, they're thinking about it. Um, And then in training, creating that environment um, where it's okay to drop a ball, it's okay to, to not do something right, but then how you those players then lift them up. Because, again, at the end of the day, I'm not on the field. I can't say to the ref, stop the game, got to give them some help. <laughs> That's their players and their teammates. So I think using the experienced players for leadership and getting them to start being coaches and helping is going to help their game because it reminds them what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, and then when you are training, creating the environment, if something goes wrong, it's okay. It's going to go wrong in a game because very rarely what we practice perfectly on Thursday night doesn't go perfectly in a game. So understanding that things are going to go wrong, you've just got to react to them. And then when the whistle does blow, that's when you have that chat and go, okay, 
what did you do? And through questioning, like, what did you, what happened there? Why did, why did that happen? Do you think? And get them thinking about, well, what did I do? What was I doing? Was I, you know, was it, I dropped the ball, so didn't have my hands up, or I, you know, I was running away. I didn't know where I was going. I was too busy watching what was coming at me. Getting them to think about it, so they get some self education and self review of what they do, um, and then. You know, you might have to do a bit of work with those newer players away from rugby, away from the main training group at times, um, before or after training, just to keep bringing them along. Um, and the thing I do a lot of with new players at Clubland, I'll just wear my GoPro on my on my chest um, at club rugby, and I'll just clip up little clips and say and send it to them just on on a message or social media or something, and just say just see this is what we've been talking about and give them a visual cue that they can watch it. And then I'll give them a clip of someone doing it well as well. So that's another way of, again, bringing the newer players up and also then getting the senior players and still doing that with them and just refining those little things that they need to refine. Because even the best players um, still need to work on their game. Nobody, nobody's mm. perfect. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just continuing to, to, to reinforce that. Yeah, and that, that bit around the using the social media platforms I've found in the last four or five years is just um, the stuff that, like you said, you can send them that clip of this is what you're doing. This is what it should look like. Let's get somewhere close to what it should look like. That's just saved me 10 minutes of training. Yep. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, yeah, I, I, I can see now, you know, like you just, but that's the way this generation, that's, that's how they're learning as well. That, that comes back to what we we're talking about before of look, working out how these how these players learn and and how do we get the best out of them. Um, yeah. And especially now, like everyone's got a mobile phone, um, GoPro, iPad, what it, whatever it is, um, you can you can do that, and it's so beneficial. Um, and I think too, <laughs> I used to use it a lot when I was coaching like the under 16s, under 18s, the GoPro. As soon as you start putting stuff on social media, the players start turning up because they're now on social media. But yeah, that... <laughs> they don't they like their likes or you know, yeah, they send them, get, get, you know. get more followers and all this type of stuff. So no, but no, that, that's some good good advice there. Um so with there's there's a couple of things I I just want to drill down on there. We talked about that perfect training session. Um good luck <laughs> a good luck um what's your thoughts around um i suppose the best way to put it is error error rate so if you're doing a drill how how many times or like if you look because if, you, if you're doing a, a catch pass drill and they're not dropping the ball you might as well not do it yep. so what do you have a um a figure that you or like how when do you go okay this is too complex we need to step it back or we need to advance it or bang that's where we want to be well, or does it I've change many... it, it, there's plenty of theories on it yeah there's, there's plenty of theories on it like um so i suppose i'll diverge a bit like when i first started coaching i was closed perfect yeah look at that that's great and then we played a few games and got walloped and i was like wow and then I went and did a did some coach development and got to know a coach who's now um, someone that we I sort of do a fair not not a fair bit but have access to a little bit and 
he totally changed my thinking on how I should coach. And I've gone from being really structured coaching to really unstructured and messy. And if someone came and watched and had no idea what we were doing, would go, what are they doing? Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I've heard, I've heard it called different things like you know, a challenge point of 30 to 50% of your training should be challenge point and have them having to learn and, and messy and chaotic um, because they learn and they have to think like they do in a game quicker because in a game, it just happens. Whereas if you're at training and you're imperfect, um, and you're executing everything with no pressure, no, um, anyone can do that. So the key thing for me is I like to have a large chunk of our session replicating the game. So I think we've got stats on it, like 65% of our games, this is at super WWE level, are unstructured. So 65% of the game is unstructured. The ball in play time is about 39 minutes out of 80 in, in play. So structuring training to replicate that is what I try and do is so 65% of our session should be unstructured, game-based, game-specific. Um, so we, you know, the term I use is train the game. So train how you play the game. So, you know, training the game, if you want to start fast, then you have a big fast chaotic drill at the beginning, get them up and about. And then, but have it specific and have constraints so that you get the challenge point, you get the errors, you get the mismatches that they have to think on their feet um, so that they're learning. And I talk about it, oh, I don't have a psych degree, but talking about new neural pathways. So something happens, they have to react and they learn because they've created a new neural pathway because they've had to react to what's happening and then adjust to it and then see if they have success or they have failure, so then they learn from it because then they're thinking about, well, what did I do? Um, and having them being able to do that quickly. So I think the majority of my trainings would be very unstructured and having constraints on it so that you can manipulate what happens to create that challenge point or that error rate. So that it's in a game, but it's in a game sense because that 65% of the game is in unstructured play. So playing different games, um, so it's different things like having two balls, drawing the field in, so you're inside the 15, so there's no space for your speedy wingers and stuff to get around, so they have to go through and ruck and maul um, and, and play and create that space, um, get creative, kicking the ball over so they don't have anyone in the backfield, so where's the space? It's over the top, then you have to kick chase. So just getting creative, um, with games and and having a high percentage of your training as unstructured and chaotic. And it took me months to get comfortable with it. I hated, I'd walk out from training and go, what have we done? Have we learned anything? And then I seen it in games starting to come and you could see the players feeling more comfortable because we were overloading them with speed. You know, the ball, they didn't get there within two seconds. The ball was gone. Like, we overloaded them so that in the game it was slower. They could actually react because they were used to it being faster. So I don't know whether that's answered your question, but that's sort of where yeah, I've no. gone on the journey. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think too, like I've done it at a few clubs I've been at and like you said, you walk away going, oh, shit. But the players have to get used to it as well because the players are probably used to every time they drop the ball, they stop. And you just look at them, you go, what are you doing? Drop the ball. Okay, then. Turn the ball over. What do you mean? Well, 
the game doesn't stop just because you drop the ball. Or if it does, what do we do now? You know, and yeah, so it takes it takes the players a couple of weeks as well just to get used to. Oh, okay, I'll, okay, I drop the ball. What am I going to do? I'm going to dive on it, or I'm going to do this, or oh yeah, there's a space over the back, and they look at you. Can I kick it? I don't know. Can you? Good. Yeah. <laughs> do what you want, mate. Find the space. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's changing that whole mindset of of, of the players as well. Um, yeah, and it took us a while, like. And, and we, I did it at club trainings as well with some of the, the local clubs, just again to show them that and create that environment where let's see what you can do. And it took, we sort of say at the first sort of couple of sessions, they were just all, we don't know, get it. And then as we progressed, you could see them starting to think like they will in a game of, okay, we're playing chaos here. We know we're only going to have the ball for a couple of phases and then there's going to be a turnover and we've got to adjust. So then it got the communication, the language and the language we're using in terms of our attack and defence and transition started to come because they they knew, you know, they started to realise we have to be really succinct and go, right, what's this word that we use? What's that that triggers us to go, right, this is what we're going to do in defence. We've got to connect and get up. We've got to fill the field, you know, turnover, ball, counterattack. This is what our counterattack policy word is. So, bang, we all know where we've got to be. So, yeah, it took a while and it totally turned my coaching on its head. Um, in 2019, I just, it totally turned me on my head and I went, I get that. And as a player, I was like, I would love this. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty much like you were when, when I started. It was all corner drills and straight line running. And if you drop the ball, it was push-ups or sprints. And you just go, oh, mate, all the stuff that you, if you saw a coach do now, you'd just go, oh, shit. That's how we, but that's how we used to do it. Like that's how it was. Um, yeah, I used to do some. Um, I've never been a fan of touch footy, but the conventional touch. I always, they always hate when I go. We're playing touch because they're going to go. Oh shit! What rules is he going? And I just change the rules up. I give. I did it at one club, but I actually gave different people the ability to do different things. So if you get touched, you can keep running. Um, if you get touched once, you can offload, like all this different, but didn't tell anyone else what that person was allowed to do. And it was mental for about two for about two weeks. And then they just went, we've just got to play. I've just got to look after what's here. Yep. And it just changed their whole mindset of now I've just got to look here. Bang, this is what I've got to do. If this person keeps running, I'll touch them again. If yep. you know, you know, and it, but it was getting the players just to think, oh, I've, I've touched them, now I'm going to run backwards. Well, no. Like you said, it's just chaos. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm converting over to it the more I see it. Um, but yeah, it's a lot harder than, especially I think at this at at a senior level. Um, yeah, I, I think, think the key thing is getting to know what's the outcome that you want out of it. Like being that organised that you know, if this chaos, what am I trying to get out of it? Is it an attack or a defence thing? Um, and, and making sure you know what you're trying to get out of it so that at the end of it, you can say to the players, okay, this is what, what did you think we got out of it and what was the focus of it? And then, you know, say, yep, they got it. They understood it with your key focus because, yeah, it can get messy and you can just shake your head and go, I didn't get what I got out of it. Why? But then the players may turn around and say, hey, this is what we got out of it. We focused on our counterattack 
we were really focused. We could see that we're getting the ball turned over more and more. So we had to work on our counterattack. You go, okay. Being it the, the teacher. Yeah, and that questioning as well, that's that's really important around those types of drills. Um, I'm actually considering changing, not use the word drill. I just I'm starting to use activity. We're just doing an activity just to try and break break mindsets and you know just try and do something different. But we'll see how that goes. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is because you, I um they learn the drill. Like if you're doing yeah. a drill, they just do drill. the drill, and they don't think it's this. How does this work into the game? So bring it back to the game because um, they just go, okay, we're just doing a two v three or a one v you know three, um, and they'll just do it. But then you think, well, hang on, what happened? You know, how would you do that in a game, or where would you do that in a game? Um, because they just go, I'm just going to beat this defender and score a try. That's it. Like, yeah. what is it that I'm trying to do? What is it should I be trying to do? Sometimes, yeah, yeah I, they learn the drill, not the skill. Yeah, exactly. Um, and another one I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to start using this year, and a coach said to me a few years ago, he, everyone says, play what's in front of you. He says, play what's on. Because what's on might be out on the left wing, but it's not in front of you. And I went, Oh, that just now we've opened up the whole field, you know. Because if you've got, yeah, and I thought I might slowly bring that one in. I think that would have blow their minds too much. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's it's interesting how the game that that's that stuff's making its way in, and I think a lot of young coaches like they hear game based and they go, oh, I haven't got thirty players. How do I do game based training? One v one is a game. Yep. Two v two v two is a game. One guy chasing another guy is a game. Put constraints yep. on it, give it a score. It's a game. Yep. You know, and I think that's where a lot of young coaches go. Oh, I don't have enough. Well, how many you got, mate? Oh, I've got ten. Cool. Play six v four, five v five, whatever. That's a game. Um, yep. Like you said, when you work, work out your constraints and what you want to get out of it, and design it around yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. And and once you put a score on it, or oh. you know, if someone wins or loses then you just, they light, like you can just see them go, okay, I want to win, like, because everyone wants to win. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah. I'm going to have a crack. <clears throat> my, my guys love the cone game the best. Yep. Like they just lose their minds over it. I'm just going, it's just like a warm-up fun thing and they just love it because at the end, one person is the winner and they're the king. So it's like, I get, I get it, but you just think there's probably other stuff you could get excited about, but hey, if that's what it is, that's what it is, you know. So, um, and we do that at training as well. A lot of like we always have what we call a vibe game at training. Yep. So, because we talk, I was talking about starting fast before with that chaos. Um, we'll start, we'll do our warm up, um, our activations and things like that. And then we'll have a vibe game. And it could be totally non rugby related. So, it could mm. just be tic tac toe. Um, and you put tight forwards, you, you mix the teams up. It could be a your cone game. It could be something as simple as um, like frisbee, any anything game related where someone has to compete against someone else and they get up and about and then that sets the energy for training. And it also, you can see it hopefully coming through in in um, the game where they actually get energised at the start and then doing something at the end of training, like the crossbar challenge as well, obviously one, but doing it kicking but then doing like getting a hooker's throw so so that the forwards get a chance okay you'll stand on the 22 or 15 meter and you got a little hooker throw 
backs V forward. So obviously all your hookers are like, sweet, this is my one now, passing from the ground, just different things. Yeah. It just makes fun enjoyment for them at, in training. And you often find, too, you do those ones at the end and like you said, it might be a, a pass off the ground drill and all of a sudden you've got a lock that hits that post every time and you just go, okay, that's something that, that I can use down the track or yep. now I've just found my third hooker if I need someone to throw to a line out. I've got a winger that hits that, you know, like those little yep. things that that you never get time to go, okay, run line up and do this so we can see who can do that. Every now and again, you'll, or, you know, someone will do, you know, a box kick and put it on, you know, this, you go, mate, you're a, you're a hooker. What are you doing? doing? You know, like, but cool. I can use that. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that, that's, that's good. Um, how, what's your thoughts around feedback to the, to the, to the athletes? So um, there's different, like some will stop the, like every minute or whatever, stop, give group feedback or individual feedback or, you know, whole part, whole, all that type of stuff. What's your thoughts around feedback to, to players? So for me, I like obviously the start, make sure you give a clear instruction and then let them do it. Let them get the reps and let them do it. And then having those little chats as they go through it. So they're doing a drill and it's they're passing and it's just wave passing or something like that. As people come through, having those individual chats to them as they're going. Um, and, you know, but also I think as coaches sometimes, and particularly young coaches, we pick on what they're not doing well yeah. rather than what they are doing well and how, and if they don't do something well, how they can improve it and making sure that we're clear on, you know, if, you know what we're looking for, for one, but also praise them when they do it well and when they don't get it right, give them, either question them what happened there because if they throw a bad pass, they know it. Yeah, but it's actually yeah. getting them to think, why did I throw that bad pass? What was it? And if they can start to identify it, they can adjust it. And then, you know, there is there is times where you have to stop the drill if it's just not going well. Um, or do freeze frames. That's something that I've started to do a little bit more of um, is, and my S&C coaches hate it because they're not getting <laughs> their GPS data. So sorry, sorry, Matt, if you're listening. <laughs> but go freeze, double blast the whistle, freeze, everyone. Okay. And then ask some questions. What do you see? Where's the space? Use it as that education tool. And again, not telling them what's happening or seeing it, asking them what they're seeing. And again, sometimes you're not going to get the right answer or the answer you're after. So you have to probe or you have to go to, you have to go, okay, yep, I can see that. Go and ask someone else and see what they're seeing. So doing that, I think, um, they're the two sort of things I sort of do. Try and get them doing the reps, cueing them individual feedback. If it's a team one where we, you know, we're trying to learn something, it's the freeze frame or stop it. If it's not going to plan, have a quick check, re-go back to what your purpose is, what your outcome you want and say to the players, this is what we're after. And even go, you know what? I've explained it really poorly and go, yeah. let's walk through it again. And I think yeah. that's something that as a young coach, I would never have done. I stuffed that up. But actually, going, yeah, I, I tried a drill this year, created a drill for connection, and I explained it poorly. And I went, I've explained this really poorly. I said, let's stop. Let's restart. Let's walk through it. 
oh, now we get it. And I'm like, okay. And then, but you, you earn a bit of kudos as well that, you know, I've stuffed up. Yeah, well, you've got that drill in your head or written down. And when you do it, you just go, that, this, is ru- this is actually rubbish. But it looks so much better when I was thinking about it. And then you yep. just stop it and just say to the guys, this is not. Like, so then, then you get that kudos from them that they can actually then come to you and go, oh, I, I don't think when we're doing this, this is working how, you know, they, they, then they feel free to not well, to challenge you as well and go, what are we actually getting out of this? Or, you know, why, why am I running an unders line there? And if you can go, well, because I want you to, oh, okay, cool. Because they know that you, you're actually happy to go, oh, you know what? I don't know. I just saw it and I thought it looked good and it, and it didn't. And it just gives you that, that, like you said, that bit of credibility that, because we don't, as coaches, we don't know everything. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think the other thing as well with the queuing of the players that, you know, if you see a player that is struggling with something and you're queuing them, just grabbing your phone, because all of us have phones with cameras these days. You don't even need, you just put your phone out, film them while they do it. And then again, send it to them at the end and say, and or or at the end of training, grab them and say, hey, so this is what I could see. And then can you see what I've been trying to tell you? Um, because, you know, sometimes I know as a player, I don't do that. I didn't do that when I played. And then I always, the girls all know, they quote it to me now. The video never lies, does it, Alana? No, the video doesn't lie. <laughs> yeah, but there was no videos around when I was playing, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't pull that scrum down, sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's quite interesting. Um, and I'm all for queuing and, and giving all that type of stuff. But every every now and again, you'll just get that one player that has the ugliest pass technique you've ever seen, but hits the spot every time. And I just go, you know what, mate? Knock your, you're hitting it. I'm not going to... And it, it, it astounds me that coaches will go, oh, no, but I want him to do and, and this and... And that's great if he can't do it. It's like a goal kicker. If a goal kicker has an ugly run up and he kicks, he's kicking at ninety percent. No one worries about him. Yep. And and you think why are we? Yeah. If, if the guy can't, if the if the player can't do the skill, yeah, absolutely break it down. Yep. But if this guy has got a really horrible passing technique, but he's hit, he's or kicking whatever whatever it is, yep. and he's getting the results, let him go. Um, yeah, just it's astounding how we, and as young coaches, oh, well, they're not, they're not hands to target. And you just go, yeah, but he's hit, he's hitting the target. So what does it matter? Yep. Um, I think that's the thing. I think I was, I don't know who was a coach. I was coach, again, another coaching development I was on. And um, the coach sort of said, all he worries about is catching the ball early and the hands to target doesn't worry about this section of does he do they dip the ball do they whatever he said because if that pass is hitting the target and consistently just like you said then don't change it because it works for them and it comes back to every player's unique mm-hmm. in how yeah. they do things how I kick and like as a goal kicker how I set up the ball people stand behind the ball and address the ball I put the ball on the tee and take and I'm two steps back and that's my run up. I don't stand over the ball and then walk back. It just works for me. And, you know, I've tried to do it other ways and it just doesn't work in my, my, my biomechanics, obviously, or whatever. I'm just naturally like it that way. And I don't think you'd find a, 
any two goal kickers in world rugby kick this have the perfect technique. Yeah. Like if you broke a lot of them down, you just go, there's no way you should be kicking at 90%. But like yeah. you said, it works. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So I think young coaches we get or they, they get caught up in that a fair bit. Um I mean we, you spoke to, you spoke a lot about coach development. Um during this, and this is what this is all about for me, is that development package. Um, of course, for me in Australia, and it, I will preface this by saying it is getting better, but we used yep. to have an education, a coach education system and nothing. So you go and you do your, you know, your smart rugby, your level one, level two, level three. You might go to a PD once a year and you just kept ticking the boxes. Um, as opposed to the stuff that's going on now, um, which is develop. Um, so what are your, like for young coaches out there, if they're looking at getting that development as a coach, um, what are some of the tips you can give them around development? Yeah, I think the good thing, Again, I go back to opportunities and take make what you make of them. COVID was fantastic for coach development across multiple sports, not just rugby, but definitely for rugby. Um, like having webinars, having access to coaches, and they're all on, I think, YouTube and stuff now that you can go back and watch. So I think it's, um, for, the, for me, coach development is, as a coach, you drive it. You're responsible for it. Um, and going and, and seeking out that development, whether it is like if it was a junior coach who's coaching under 15s or 16s in their club, going and having a chat to the, 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 the grade coaches in the, in the club and saying, hey, I'm, you know, learning my craft. That's, that's coach development, going and saying, hey, can I come to a session and see what you're doing? It could be someone saying to you, bully, I want to come and see what you do at a scrum session because um, I'm coaching these these young boys or girls and we're just learning, you know, some of them don't know. So I just want to teach them the, the basics right and go and watch and learn from you and have questions, ask questions. Um, and, you know, everything is so accessible and people are now putting more content and sharing more things like, for me, like the rugby site, like it's a subscription site but it's fantastic because you can go on there and it breaks it down and gives you all of that you know you've got um people on social media who are doing you know really short sharp coaching stuff where you can go in youtube's got that you can go into to rabbit holes i guess and make sure you know that you you're going to people who who, are, who know their stuff but there's so much out there that you drive it and then I think the biggest thing is going and asking coaches, can I come and watch a session? Can I come and learn? Like I, every year with SuperW, send an email out to coaches at Clubland and say, I'm happy to come to a session. You're more than welcome to come to a SuperW session and see what we're doing. And we can have a coffee or a sit down after and go through it um, to sort of share that knowledge and if they've got any questions of, of that. So I think you own your coach development, you drive it. And sometimes you're going to have to go out and get out of your comfort zone and go and talk to people. Listening to podcasts is another one for me. Um, listening to podcasts and taking things out of it. Um, but the, the biggest one for me is going watching sessions, going seeing a session. Like I've, I've, you know, again, asked the question, could I go down and watch a rebel session and 
got the opportunity to go and sit through when I wasn't coaching the Rebels, I was just a state coach, being able just to go in, see what their session plan was, what they were doing, and then having a chat afterwards with the coaches and, and saying, well, I didn't quite understand this or what was the purpose of this to help me develop my knowledge. And I would know I can't take that back to my players because my players aren't professional players, but there was some concepts in there or some little things that I was like, my players can do that. I'm going to bring that and then I can build off that and layer it in. Um, so I think, yeah, development is is really a big part of what I've done the last three years. I've Any opportunity I can get to have a chat, any opportunity I can get on a webinar and listen to a coach or someone talk, um, yeah, take it um, because that's, that's where you're going to learn so much in those environments. So you know, I think there is a place for your, your basics and foundations and stuff like that in the education space to give people an introduction of it's not just turn up and throw cones out. Um, there is that space of that foundation course learning and, and developing there, but you're going to learn more out doing and talking and seeing what people are doing. Because, um, yeah, I'm an accountant by trade and I look at it and go, what I learned at uni about accounting and what happens in real life they're a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I think too, you not that you don't get the opportunity, but you might not get invited to something. But if you ask, you very rarely get told no. Like you know, because the like you said, the rebels don't throw an open invite out to every training session. But if you went and said, "Oh, look, can I come and watch this session?" The chance. 98% of the time, they're going to go, yep. And if not, it's, they'll give you a legitimate reason. They might go, look, can you come next week? Because we've got, you know, something different. This what, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I was the same. I did a week in there with them. I had to take a week off work. So I went in there. And like you said, a lot of the stuff they did, you can't take back to club land. But you could go, but I can take that little concept and that little concept and that little bit and just use some of the things that you learned around um, the stuff that they do. So. Yeah, and I think the other thing I like about Clubland as well is particularly pre-season is where you bring your club together and have all your coaches um, and, and players together. And, you know, some one of the clubs that I was at as a, as a player and when I was transitioning out is, you know, bringing the pre-season, getting all the core skills and just having all the coaches coaching and the players moving around all the coaches and everyone had their own defined area that they were coaching on that session and it exposes players to different coaches and different voices and different ways of thinking but it's also a good way of developing young coaches if you've got a young coach that's really wants to learn put them with one of your senior coaches and let them you know let them you know the things I always say is I'll leave this first session and then next week you're doing it if they're not confident and and, and create an environment where they can learn. And I think that that I think is really good. And then, you know, again, having um, coaches meetings with all coaches as well, like all your senior coaches and allowing you to have those discussions. And, and again, having good discussions about this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Um, I think it's fantastic as well. And doing that with seniors and juniors, particularly with clubs that have got their seniors and juniors, it helps those coaches down in in the age grades 
to see what's happening. And then again, they might not be able to do everything, but they might just pick up a little gem that they go, oh, I really like how they did, how they talked about doing this. I'd love to try it. Yeah. What are you going to lose? Nothing. You just Nothing. You turn around and go, no, kids love it. And you go, and they go, oh, we love that drill. Can we do it again? Or we love that activity. Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely. And I think to as a, as an experienced coach, to have someone come and watch or like shadow you, it also then you start going, okay, I've got to make sure I'm on point. Because, you know, it, I mean, if you come and watch me do a scrum session, I'm sure you're going to say to me, why did you say that? Why did you do this? And then I've got to go, I've got to be on my game as well because I've got, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think it keeps us sharp as well, whether it's a, a brand new coach or an experienced coach just having a look and going, what, what did you do that there? Or why did you say that there? Or why have you got them running that? Yeah, all, all, all these little questions that you've probably just gone, I've just done it that way forever and never really thought about it. Yep. Um, and yeah, that's, and that's probably a good point if you get those opportunities to, to shadow another coach, ask them questions. Ask them the dumb questions that you think are dumb because they're probably just going to go, oh, um, shit, I don't know. That's the way I walk, you know. That's why I saw it done and it works. And, and, and that might be the answer. I saw it, you know, I saw Alana run this drill and that's the way they did it and it worked. And we've just done it that way and it works. I don't know why, it just works. So we just keep doing it, you know. Um, you, you know, you, as coach, you always say to the player, well, I, with, with um, the players I coach, I always say there's never a dumb question because you might mm -hmm. be thinking it. I reckon there's three or four other players out there that are thinking it too. So again, as again, modeling what you want your players to do is this, if we can show that we do that as coaches and ask those questions and go, can you just explain that to me? If the players know that you're doing that again, it, you, you've got some, you know, you get some credibility that, you know, you're learning as well. You're not just say, do as I say, not as I do. Um, I think it's really important. And, you know, I love it. I always say to the players, oh, I've read a new book or I've seen <laughs> something, I'm going to try it. And they just go, oh no, what's she going to come up with now? And I think too, like, like you said, if you can say, oh, I saw this on the weekend, let's see, let's see if it's going to work. Yep. And like, I do it with our lineouts. We'll, we'll do a new lineout. What are we going to call it? I said, I don't know. Let's see if it's going to work. Like, if it doesn't work, we don't need to call it anything. Let's. Yep. And they, and then they might, we might do two or three, and they just go, boy, this isn't going to work because this, this, this. Cool. Let's shelve it. Move on. Yeah. Um, you know, get get the stuff that works and show the rest. So yeah, no, that, that's, and that's really what training's cool. for. That's oh, what training's for. It's yeah. practice. It's it's practice and learning um, and seeing what's going to work. And if it doesn't work, but you want to persevere with it, you, you can see the merit in it. Then that's you know that's what training's for. That's what it's about. Yeah, yeah, and having that clarity with the players of this is why we're doing it. Yeah. You know, because this is what we this is what we want to achieve. Um, and it's a good point you made there about the questioning, especially when you do that freeze and you start and you might get a, a response and you go, oh, holy shit. That's I didn't see that. But now I understand why you did that, because you saw that. You know, you had a, a 3v2 and the two defenders, we, you, your loose head and your tight head prop and you had your two wingers and your inside centre. Well, yeah, of course we're going to play that. But I didn't see it because I was watching, you know, so sometimes you get those answers and sometimes you just got to go, 
yeah, you, you, you've, you're bang on, mate. That's not what we wanted, but it is what we want because you've identified something. Um, no, that's, that's really good. Um, if you could go back in time to that first season um, as a coach, when you're brand new, you got your brand new whistle and your bag of balls and you're out there, um, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? Um, it would be, again, go back to have fun and be creative and try something. Um, be creative and, and try things um, that, that you see and back yourself more, I think, is, is probably the key things that I would say to myself because I was so nervous and didn't trust myself and didn't back myself on it that, you know, I spent so many times going, oh, could have done this differently. I could have, should have, would have. And, and even now, like now, if I haven't been me and been authentic and tried stuff, I'll know in my gut, I'll, I'll, I'll stew on it because I know that I haven't been me and I haven't had fun and I haven't trusted myself and my gut um, because I've tried to go, oh, no, I shouldn't do that. That's a bit out there and I should, you know, this is what everyone else does. So let's follow, follow suit. So I think that would be the big thing is, yeah, go trust yourself and back yourself. Um, and have fun and try things. Be creative. Um, try if you if you see something, create a drill yourself. And again, just like the players, if it doesn't work and it fails, then you just learn from it and yeah. and, and adjust it. Yeah. Now that this has been awesome, Alana. And again, thank you so much for your time. Because we're all so busy in lockdown that we've got so much to do. Um, <laughs> Hopefully we'll start easing restrictions soon and we can get back out on the paddock and actually um, apply some of the stuff we've all been learning and talking about over the last nearly two years, I suppose. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, thanks. I really appreciate your time. And I think the, learn, the listeners will get a fair bit out of there. I've got a couple of pages of notes in there myself. Um, and I'll go back and listen to this and write way more down as well. So... Thanks for your time and thanks for your um That's a mighty show. A mighty mind Leicester and Trevor moves off their own ball. That is monstrous. Sleeping held at the back by the foot of Ben Moore and Pet Turn and England.